0: good morning you are very very welcome to our service this morning at living hope belfast if you're a visitor with us this morning we extend you a very warm welcome church as we start our service this morning we're going to stand to our feet and worship together
1: Do Grace is Jesus my. Re- sure you may
0: take your seats as we come before the Lord's table this morning.
2: good to be in the Lord's house this morning to remember the Lord's death. Isaiah's servant songs begin in his uh, prophecy, and they they come to a conclusion with Isaiah 52, actually, where he says there toward the end of Isaiah 52, uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus, behold, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be extolled, he shall be exalted, he shall be very high. They take three Hebrew phrases to say the same thing. He will be exalted, he will be extolled, he will be very high. And then the prophet says, as many as saw him were astonished at him because he was marred more than any man and in fact he didn't appear any longer to look like a man. And then the prophet ends chapter 52 and says, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which they had not heard, they shall hear, and that which they had not seen, they shall see. And then, of course, begins the beautiful Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In that they were right. They saw this servant of Jehovah marred more than any other man. And they looked at him and their only conclusion was, here is someone who is being afflicted, stricken, smitten by God. And they were right. Here is someone who as he walked the Via Dolorosa, carrying his cross, the way of suffering, he appeared to be stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And the prophet continues, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed or bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon him. And with his stripes or his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep had gone astray, we had turned everyone to his own way, but Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is led like a lamb to the slaughter, and like a sheep brought before her shearers remains dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Is it not incredible, brothers and sisters, that during the Lord's two trials, both the religious trial and the Roman trial, not once did He open His mouth to protest His innocence. Not once did He complain about the lack of due process of law. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is dumb, He did not open His mouth. Why not? Because Jesus understood that what was about to take place here in his crucifixion was actually the due process of law. Not religious law at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees, nor Roman law at the hands of Pontius Pilate, but God's law. When sin comes before God, this is the result. It is punished. Jesus Christ had no sin of his own. But gathering up all the sins of all of his people, he brings them into the presence of God and undergoing the due process of God's inflexible justice. He becomes a curse for us. He was accused of two things. At the religious trial, he was accused of blasphemy. At the Roman trial, he was accused of treason, and in keeping his mouth shut, he was essentially pleading guilty on both charges, because those were God's charges against us. We blasphemed his name. When he was worthy of all of our praise, all of our worship, all of our honor, we blasphemed his name. When he is worthy of being the adoration and the devotion and the treasure of our hearts, we put ourselves at the center of the universe and think this is all for us. Popular atheism, you know, by Sam Harris and Ricky Gervais says, you know, this puny wee planet in the midst of this vast expanding universe for man come off it. It's not for us. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows his handiwork. This is all about God. And when we should have worshipped him, served him, sovereign Lord and God, we placed ourselves at the center of that universe. Jesus Christ pled guilty on our behalf so that you and I can be declared righteous before God's throne. As the reformer said, I have been given an alien righteousness. Do you understand the word alien? Something not from here. It's not off this earth. I have been given a righteousness that is not of this earth. It is literally out of this world. Accomplished for me by the doing and the dying of Jesus Christ. And it is that, brothers and sisters, that we pause again to remember our beautiful Savior. Maybe before we come around the Lord's table, some brother, some sister, you would like to lead us in a word of thanks. Thanks. Now's your opportunity. That's just some brother, some sister. Just lead us in a word of thanks, and we'll come around the Lord's table together. Amen. Bless your name. Bless your name, Lord. Praise the Lord. his
1: name
2: that he might bring us to God bless his name In this
3: world,
2: Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Our situation was so dark that it required the death of God's Son. You know, people sometimes say Jesus died on the cross to show how much He loved us. It's more than that, brothers and sisters. What would you think if I went and jumped off the roof of the Grand Central Hotel to show my wife how much I loved her? You'd say, Well, fair enough, but I don't get the connection. But if they were all drowning on the sea and in, in trying to rescue them, I died and rescued them, you would say, Well, I understand that. This was a rescue. Never forget that. We were being rescued. This was a rescue love of God is greater fire than tongue or pen can ever tell. We're about to sing it, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. And my prayer for you as we come around the Lord's table is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus, that you might know the height, the length, the breadth, and the depth, and to apprehend the love of God that surpasses knowledge. You can't comprehend it. To comprehend something means you encircle it within the circumference of your knowledge. You'll never do that with the love of God. To apprehend means you get a wee handle on it. I trust this morning that we apprehend the length, the depth, the height, the breadth, the love of God passes knowledge. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Let's take this little wafer. And in so doing, in this simple act of remembrance, pause again to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for our Savior, the one who was the bread of heaven, the one who came dying to give his life for the world. Bless this congregation in this simple act of remembrance, we pray. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 11, after the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped from it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Isn't that powerful? In my blood. When we were wee boys in Sunday school, we used to sing, the blood is the sign, Lord, that marks us as thine, Lord, and brightly will shine, Lord, at thy coming again. And the promise from the Old Testament was, when I see the blood, what was it? I will pass over you. And it's still the same. This blood is the new covenant shed for many for remission of sins. And then Paul reminds us for as often, whether every week, every month, every quarter, every year, for as often, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He comes. Father, we thank you again for the privilege, the absolute privilege that is ours to be sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, we are bowed before your throne in absolute humility to thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that you did not place upon your son a burden that he was unwilling to bear. And in dying for our sins at Calvary, he did not extract from you a gift that you were unwilling to give. Lord, even as we read this morning in the garden, he prayed, this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I thank you today, Lord, that I know you. There are so many things that I do not know, but I know you, and I love you, and I worship you. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters again as we remember you. Amen. Let's take of this juice together. Amen. Let's all stand again to God's praise as we sing.
0: this morning, that it is finished, that there will be a day when there will be no more pain and no more tears because of what you accomplished that day, what you sent your Son for, that we have been rescued because of the suffering of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen. Church, you may take your seats as we come on in the Word this morning.
3: morning everybody thank you for being here today if you are visiting with us this morning we give you an extra special warm welcome just a couple of announcements first ones uh, the kids uh, kids space is on uh, so those kids are in here if you want to head to the back uh, I know some of the kids space workers are there just a couple of quick announcements. First one is the prayer meeting. Uh, prayer meeting on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, if you want to come and join us as we gather to pray together again. Uh, also, this evening service is on at 6.30. Um, we are doing a theme uh, throughout the month of April, which we're going to share a little bit more about in a minute. The journey to the cross, uh, answering some of the questions as we come Uh, up to Easter, go past Easter. So tonight, our special service is 6.30. Rebecca Hughes is going to be speaking, but we have asked four different people, uh, one for each Sunday in April, to share with us what the cross means to them. Uh, And so tonight, we're delighted that young Denise is going to be sharing this evening. Uh, so. So come along this evening at half past six, it says it's about the sisters not the misters tonight okay so the two ladies are coming to share this evening uh so come along and join us uh jim weir is leaving us for two weeks on friday because he is going to mount everest uh some people like to get away from it and go to holiday jim's going to everest uh, he's raising money for the kevin bell repatriation trust which i know that different people in the church have been doing things for uh, and stuff and so jim's right so we want to pray for jim uh because obviously going to mount everest is uh you know has its uh, own dangers attached to it and things like that and stuff and so we we want to pray that jim safe travels but also that he comes back again uh that we want to see jim again and when he comes back he's got to be sharing a little bit about what the trip uh was like and stuff i don't think you're not going to the top are you jim no, no? okay that's well that's high enough <laughs> 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 that's far enough isn't it okay like, hey, for those of us who can't get up cave hill jim we salute you all right <laughs> No, we're praying for Jim as he's away. Also, uh, a, bit of, a bit of good news as well. And I've made the promise you are not to turn around. You know when somebody says don't turn around, you're not to turn around because I will get beat up. So, But we are delighted. Not only is Lisa Osborne here this morning, but her uh, chemotherapy and a radiotherapy is finished. And we're absolutely <laughs> delighted for that. an answer to prayer there are many answers to prayer Uh, and it was lovely as we come around the table and we heard what was said today how interested God is to say many times in every aspect of our lives whatever we're going through as people whatever is happening to us God is leading us and guiding us and helping us let's just pray before we come to the word father we thank you this morning as we come father to look at this special theme. For we realise in, in a few weeks we mark, we celebrate, we reflect, we remember. Father, just the journey that, that your son made to the cross. And Father, it's something that we do remember, not just daily, but weekly. And, but Father, we just give a special focus at the moment as part of what we do in church. For Father, it's so central to what we believe so central to the way that we live and we're so thankful that had you not sent your son for each and every one of us we would not be here today doing this worshiping you thanking you for the change that you've made in each and every one of our lives father from the desperate wretched situations that father some of us came from lord we're so thankful father you sent your son because he was not just a hope he was our only hope and we're so thankful for that today. Father, we thank you for answered prayer, Father God. We thank you, Father God, uh, for the good news release her And we continue to pray, Lord. Father God, you will continue to restore her to full health. We pray for Jim as he, he's away for two weeks, Father. We just pray, Father God, that you will protect him and look after him, Father God. Thank you for his heart, for doing the, this for the, the great cause father god to so close to him we thank you father for those who have given up not just time but money as well father god so father we come to you as we come around your word we pray you'll bless your word today in jesus name amen throughout the month of april we're having a theme uh, the journey to the cross uh, easter is halfway through april but we're going to continue that on to the the end of april Uh, because we realize uh, that this is such an important time of the year for us to not just remember but reflect but also to help us as uh, as believers as well and so every service that we do in april is going to really answer a different question and you can find more information there on the uh, glance that we, that we do uh, and stuff just to really bring us to that point because you know it's so important for us as a church to keep the message of jesus christ central uh, particularly the crucifixion and the resurrection Because in the world that we live in, people want to change the way that we view Jesus. They want to change the way that we view Easter in a sense. Though I know people will argue that it wasn't originally called Easter. That's not the point. It's the point is keeping the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ central. I was listening to a sermon last week and the speaker hit the nail on the head. He said, the problem is in the world that we live in now, the, the Jesus of the cross speaking of the torture and the pain and carrying everybody's sin is not a popular message it's never been a popular message that the world today wants to listen to the Jesus of the Sermon on the Mount where he tells us to love one another and forgive one another and bless our enemies and that's part of Jesus's message but we cannot escape from this the most central of what he came to do and why he came to do it. And we're going to look at the journey uh, that he went on. And The song that Rebecca led us in there, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. The words say, Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I wrote this we thought over a year ago. It says the reason my sin held him there. The reason was it was my sin that put him there in the first place. I am in the crowd shouting crucify him. I represent those who sentenced him. I am Pilate washing my hands of his innocent blood. I am the torturer tearing strips off his back with my lash. I am the guard spitting in his face and mocking him. I am the executioner pounding the nails into his flesh. And you wonder, well, why do I say that? He says, John Stott says this, and he says the most important thing, he says, unless you see the cross as that which is done by you, you will never appreciate that it is done for you. The visible image of the cross has spoken to mankind for all time. Its message reaches the hardest criminal and the softest soul, and we come on a journey, and we're trying to answer this first question in the time that we have, the, the why did Jesus die?" Uh, and you know for people that are in here they've probably heard that message maybe hundreds of times and that, but hopefully we're just looking at it really from another angle uh, today. We look at our part in it, our responsibility in it. You see, the cross does not present us. With the opportunity of a religious experience. We are presented with a God that loves us so much that he gave his son as a sacrifice for the payment of our sins because he loved us. And we sing the song how deep the father's love for us because I don't think we can often grasp how deep it is that God does love us. How much he does love us for God demonstrated his own love for us and while we're still sinners Christ died for us you know our measure of love in a sense and it was touched on at the table is maybe what we do for each other and say that's our action of love oh boy this is far bigger than that it's far much more than that and as we kick off this series as we kick off this month we're drawn back to that thought that reflection of why did Jesus die why why did he do what he did why did God send him to do uh, as we've heard it wasn't just sort of you know God thinking on the spur of the moment just that he was going to go and do this was planned this was something he wanted to do so we could do this today because for each of us we lift our hands up in worship and we praise uh, and, and we pray and we do what we do because our lives have been touched immeasurably by this God who loved us so much he sent his son to die for us but because he loved us but because we had to pay for our sin as well and that might be in a popular world and people don't want to talk about sin they want to label it another way but the reality is it's just all the wrong things that we've done that kept an obstacle between us and God and I'm thankful that God moved that obstacle not just for me but for you as well if you've ever seen the film the passion of the Christ I'm always caught by this thought that in The Passion of the Christ, it is Mel Gibson's hand, and he's the director of the film, a famous actor. And he's holding the nail driven into Jesus during the crucifixion. It is symbolic, he said, because it demonstrated we are all, himself included, responsible. We all, because of what happened, and the image is just that image there that we see, and that's his hand, because he said... I take responsibility for this. As I am one of the mockers in the crowd, as I am one of those that shouts crucify him, as I am one of those that represents the executioner, so is partly my hand that does the same. So the question we start with to do with the purpose of the journey to the cross is this, is why did Jesus have to die? You know, we can answer the question, where did he die? And we can answer, how did he die? But the why is the most important question that's ever been asked. You know, the crucifix and the cross. I mean, when we think about an instrument of torture, an instrument of death, there will be people this morning sitting in church, they will be wearing crosses as jewelry to represent something. But people would never think of wearing the image of an electric chair or a hangman's noose as an instrument of death, but we would wear the cross because of what it represents. But it was an instrument of death, an instrument of torture. But we have to ask that question. As all good theological students and pastors do, when you come to want to answer any question, you go to Google. And uh, it will come up with an array of answers, none necessarily wrong. And I thought, maybe I should go a bit more spiritual here, being a pastor. There's lots of scriptures that answer the question... And the whole of scripture in a sense answers the question. So I went to bible.org and I just simply typed in the question, uh, why did Jesus die? And it was really helpful for this morning, for the 35 minutes that I had, because it gave me 17 different answers. Uh, And I'm just going to fly through them. To do God's will, to demonstrate God's love, to reconcile us to God, to bring us to God, to demonstrate God's righteousness, to destroy the power and works of the devil, to bear our sins, to take away sin, to be a final sacrifice for sin, to be the propitiation for sins, to cleanse us from all sin, to forgive us of our sins... To redeem us, to save sinners, to perfect us forever, to give us eternal life, to save us from wrath. There's the 17 reasons. So you may ask yourself, how are you going to fit all those reasons into the rest of the time that you've got this morning? The answer is, I'm not. But it's important to note, because the cross is the most personal thing for us. And on a more post-personal level, all the major New Testament writers write about the centrality of jesus christ dying on the cross for our sin for the things that we've done wrong so that's really the question that i'm really going to try and answer this morning in the time that i have left excuse me because they keep it central to their message Peter writes in 1 Peter 3 verse 18 he says for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit John writes in revelation to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and finally Paul writes this, he says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3, he says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul writes that phrase there which I think is very important for us at the beginning of what we're going to say over this month because he uses two words, he simply says first importance, he says it's the most important, it's actually above all else it's the centre of the gospel, it's the good news, it's the message, it's that which is first importance. And we must hold on to that and keep that there. Because when Paul writes that, it's like he's saying to us, saying to the readers, said, this is the most important thing. Christ died for our sins according to scripture. He was buried, he was raised on the third day, and twice says, according to the scriptures. Well, why is the problem? What is the obstacle? If we're coming and we're beginning this journey, because Jesus in Luke chapter 9, it says, he sets his face He sets himself resolutely to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus in Luke chapter 9 is suddenly becoming popular. He's healing people. He can do loads of miracles. He's saying the right things to people. He's coming with the good news. And at some point in that story, he sets out and he sees Jerusalem in the distance. And suddenly he realizes or he knows within himself, this is the journey that he has to take this is why he has come to earth so he sets his face resolutely to go to jerusalem why because it was of first importance it was the most important thing it's why he had come to do what he'd done so jesus could have carried on teaching he could have carried on healing he could have carried on doing all the stuff that made him popular with people but his most important reason for coming was becoming the savior of mankind but it's a journey that we must start at the beginning and we know in the beginning in Genesis 2 he says God commanded the man he says listen you're free to eat from any fruit of any tree in the garden except that one the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you'll certainly die now, people will ask certain questions here and say, they'll miss the point of it. How oh, does that mean that God created evil? Did God put this as an opportunity knowing that they would fail? and listen, the most important thing about the beginning is this. The presence of the tree is the presence of choice or free will. It was good because for Adam, he had to be a creature of free will. There had to be a choice. There had to be an opportunity for him to make the choice to do the wrong thing we were not created as robots if there was never a command or never something forbidden there can never be a choice God wants our love and our obedience towards him to be the love and obedience of choice that we have a choice that was the problem in the beginning they're told not to do something it presents them with a choice Uh, and of course we know the story and we know that they surrendered to the temptation and 1 John 2 verse 16 sums up the issue when he says firstly they gave in to the lust of the flesh that they saw something and they said well he says we can't have that what, what, there must be a reason why so we'll take it so they gave in to the lust of the flesh that's what people do if you say to somebody how many people do we know that something has been painted and somebody puts a sign on it that says wet paint we're daft as people because the first thing we do is we take a finger and go oh yeah it's wet we all do that no, right, Sam. Hi, Sam, the, Sam the painter daddy. so he knows he sticks a finger in it because it's like they see the sign it says wet paint does it really mean wet paint? He says, Well of course I do, that's why the there. And it says it's the same thing here, just in a simplified, humorous way, that they actually gave in uh, to the lust of the flesh. So the second thing is that they gave in to the lust of the eyes. They saw something that was pleasant to the eyes. They saw something that they wanted and they decided, Well nobody's going to tell us we can't have it we live in the world of the the free will that we have simply says nobody's going to tell me what I can do and nobody's going to tell me what I can't have and nobody's going to tell me what I can so they give in to that and then the third thing is this is they gave in to the pride of life they simply wanted something that would make them equal with God man has spent uh, from creation wanting to be equal with God It wants to make the decisions and the choices that only God can make. And so we will pay the price of that for the consequences of that. But it's all there in the beginning as to what they're given. And so we know at that point that we see that, 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 that sin entered. And so sin misses the mark. Transgression breaks the law. Rebellion opposes God. Trespassing crosses the line. Iniquity chooses wrong. All of this and more flooded in that day and he separated us from God and that's probably the hardest thing it's probably the most difficult thing that on that day I don't think we ever understand the desire that God has to have a relationship with his children with those that he has created he said it's not a religious decision that we make to follow a set of rules he says actually it's a desire that God would want to have a relationship with me and you uh, of the whole universe that is created, uh, of everything that has happened in the universe. And he says, I mean, the, the, the world that we live in, is it, it, there are places of absolute outstanding beauty. The, there's a world that we live in that God sort of sets it all in motion, that, that we breathe the oxygen and we do all of this and all the science tells us that. But the absolute love of of his his desire the object of his affection the, the absolute what he wants above everything else a relationship with me and you uh, and that's just like mind-blowing that the God who created the heavens and the earth thinks of me and you and the desire is to have uh, uh, you know as, as the words of the song says to make the, a wretch my treasure I mean I'm a wretch as you know so are you And yet he desires to make us wretches, sinners, people who have the wrong thoughts, the wrong actions, the wrong desires, things that we're ashamed of, things that we're guilty of, things we would never want people to know about. We become his treasure. That's incredible. We become the object of his affection. We become his children, sons and daughters of his. He says, that's what we've become. Uh, And so God had a plan because he wanted to do that. And that plan involved the sin of the world being dealt with by the saviour of the world. Romans 5 verse 12 uh, tells us this. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. He goes on six verses later to say, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. John 1.29 is where it gets so personal now, isn't it? John is there and it tells us this. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we use the word behold in the Bible, it's to make an announcement. Behold. And then John tells us why. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, he's greeted with these words, declaring his destiny that sacrifice it is going to make, that death on the cross for the sin of mankind. You know, what's important here is this, is Jesus didn't, John didn't present Jesus as a great moral example or a great teacher of holiness or love. He proclaimed Jesus as a sacrifice. It wasn't this, and this is a danger sometimes, it wasn't. Behold the great example, the one who is coming to tell us how to live and show us how to live it wasn't behold the great teacher that he will say words that will astound us and words that we will be able to model certain things on he doesn't say behold the kind man because he was a kind man because those outcasts of society that nobody else is interested in Jesus showed kindness to them he says it was this and this was behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world to take away that why is that important because that is the obstacle that was keeping us from God that was the thing that was the wall that was the thing that was keeping us from God and so all the other things are important but they're not essential the fourth one is essential it was him who was going to take away the sin of the world you see the original word here means that he bears it and he takes away he, he carries it and he doesn't say the sins of the world, he says the sin of the world in one action, almost as he scoops up just this huge, and I mean, huge black bag of rubbish and he's barely able to be lifted. And it contains everything everything that's ever been done wrong, everything that is being done wrong, and everything that will do wrong. It's in this bag and he carries it and he bears it to the cross but it's not just that bit that is important it's the reason why he did it because he loves us and it's the most astounding of reasons to try and grasp how do I understand the love of God he says well there's one picture of taking everything and I mean there are some things we have done each and every one of us that we'll never want people to know about we're embarrassed ashamed about those things as well Those things that we think God can't forgive those, he does. Because he sent them with Christ on the cross. That big dirty black bag uh, represents all the sin of the world. Bore it and carried it on the cross. And so we see that the sacrifice of the Lamb of God has all the capacity to forgive every sin and cleanse every sinner. That's why it's not a message that was preached. It's a message that is preached. Because the effect of it is still real today. It still changes people's lives today. Those who have been burdened by addiction and all the other stuff and the feelers of their lives are messed up, the message of the cross is still as appropriate as ever. The message of Jesus Christ bore your sin and took your sin and carried away on the cross because he loves you is why he died you see it was in Christ that God's love and justice meant God hated sin he demanded judgment and punishment for sin the penalty had to be paid and Christ paid for it just a few things to finish with because it's a qualification That well why was it Christ why was it him why was it the right time for it to happen in why Jesus died he had to include these qualifications and they were simply all met in him the first one is this he was born of a virgin people don't want to talk about the virgin birth they, they want to relegate Jesus as a say to the sermon on the mount type figure that doesn't create any faith listen you have to believe in the virgin birth if you don't believe in the virgin birth nothing else makes sense We believe in the virgin birth because it was an act of faith, it was an act of God. David writes in Psalm 51 verse 5, he says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We inherit this. There is no other way of being born, Spurgeon says. For if he had been of a sinful father, how should he have possessed a sinless nature? He's born of a woman that he might be human, but not by man that he might not be sinful. I know that's a full sermon in itself, but we believe it because it's true, we believe it because it's biblical, we believe it because it happened, and so he met that qualification. The second one is this, he was born of a redeemer, he was a redeemer, and then he purchased us from slavery. You know, I love the thought, and when you read Matthew 1 and Luke 3, you see the genealogies and I've said this before but it always fascinates me you see the genealogies there and you wonder why is it important to know who he came from and who he came from who he came from and if you look at Matthew as he reads uh, it's through right back to Abraham but in Luke it goes right back to Adam and it has to do with being a redeemer or what was called in the old testament a kinsman redeemer that if a relative got into trouble a a male relative was the one that could rescue them would could pay them out of slavery could redeem them could rescue them from trouble but it had to be a male relative now it's written in Matthew because it goes all the way back to Abraham so it says to all the Jews all those uh, that are related to hey he's a true Jew he is related to all of you he can be the redeemer of all of you but Luke takes it a step further in a sense because he relates it all the way back to Adam because if he goes back to Adam he's showing everybody simply this he can be your redeemer because he's related in a sense to the whole of mankind because that's where everybody came from in the beginning from Adam and Eve and so Jesus met that qualification of being the redeemer of mankind. Why? Because he was related. So next time you look at a genealogy of that and think, "Oh, that's just boring," there's a reason for it being in there. Is to show that Jesus was a redeemer. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was. There was no other. He was sinless, so he could be the perfect sacrifice. He was the substitute. He he took our place. Because there was nothing that we could do. He was a reconciler in that he brought us back to God. And finally he was the propitiation. And simply that means he satisfied the demands. Every demand that was there Jesus Christ met. I've said this before. The fulfiller. Jesus Christ is the fulfiller and the fulfillment of all God's promises. There was nothing accidental in what God had planned to do. There was nothing by chance that God had planned to do. This was all planned for just at the right time. Romans 5 verse 6 tells us. This is why God sent Jesus. John Stott said this and with this I finish. He says, it is not the uniqueness of Christianity as a system that we defend. But the uniqueness of Christ. So because in no other person but Jesus of Nazareth did God first become human in his birth... then bear our sins in his death... then conquer death in his resurrection... then enter his people by his spirit... he is uniquely able to save sinners... nobody else has his qualifications... we asked the question this morning... says why did Jesus die... we've given some of the reasons here... in the short time that I've had... just to simply say these are the reasons... these are the qualifications... This is why he did it. And we sung the song before we we came to the word today how deep the Father's love for us. And in that line, it really sums it all up, doesn't it? The depth of his love for us was that that sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to pay for the sins of us, for all those things that kept an obstacle between us and God. We wonder how deep his love is. It's simply immeasurable. It's a measure. there's no way we can measure the depth of love that he has for you and for me this morning you may think you have drifted too far from God you may think God is not interested in you you may think you have hit rock bottom and rock bottom is where God is he says but the truth of it is this morning for each and every one of us it's the depth of the love that he has for us because we were as guilty as those who stood there that day and mocked, and swore, and passed judgment, and sentence by our very lives. And we see the cross as something that is done by us. And in seeing now, we see more importantly the cross as something that is done for us, for you, and for me. He sent his son because he loved us. Let us pray. Father God, we we come before you because, Father, we have attempted to try and answer the amazing question of why Jesus died your son. Father, not accidental, not by chance, not not as a plan B, but, Father, it was always, Father, your, your choice, your destiny for him. As we heard this morning the words that were written in the Old Testament that spoke of what he was going to do wounded and punished to carry our iniquities but father as we come to the end of the service our response can only be father two things if we don't know your son as our personal saviour father we can we can do that this morning we can simply say because of what you have done I give my life over to you But Father, if we've given our lives to you, we can just come and only worship. But how do we measure the depth of the love that you have for us? What is the picture that we see in our mind other than your loving son on the cross taking all our sin, our wrongdoing, our iniquities, our trespass, whatever word we want to use. How do we see another image than that? We come and worship, but we come to say thank you as well. For, Father, there is nothing that we could have done, for it is you that did everything to open up the way, Father, for us to worship you, to have relationship with you. And for that, Father, we say thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's as we say.
0: Well, we thank you for this time spent in your presence this morning. We thank you for this message and this reminder of why you sent your son for each and every one of us. We thank you this morning that he is our redeemer, that he is our rescuer, that he is our savior, that he is our Lord, that he is the king of kings this morning, the prince of peace this morning. God, I pray you would take us to our homes in safely and bring us back again this evening. In the name of your precious